0: Chapter five, the confession continues. Question, if this confession of yours stopped right here, your statement would be sound. But fortunately for millions of your victims who will gain their release because of your confession, this interview will continue until you've supplied me with the weapon by which you will eventually be restrained from domination of people through their fears and superstitions. Remember your majesty, your confession has just begun after i wring from you a description of the methods by which you control people i will force you also to give the formula by which your control can be broken at will it is true i shall not remain here long enough to defeat you but the published word i leave behind me will be deathless because it will consist of truth you fear the opposition of no individual because you know it will be short but you do fear truth you fear truth and nothing else For the reason it is slowly but definitely giving human beings freedom from all manner of fear without the weapon of fear you would be helpless and entirely unable to control any human being is that true or false i have no alternative but to admit that what you say is true question now that we understand each other let us go ahead with your confession but before we continue i may as well take time out to do a little boasting on my own account now that you've had your fling at it I will confine myself to one question the answer to which will give me all the satisfaction I want is it not true that you control only the minds of those who have allowed the drifting habit to be fixed upon them answer yes that is true I have already admitted this truth in a dozen or more different ways why do you tantalize me by repeating the question there is power in repetition I'm forcing you to repeat the highlights of your confession in as many different ways as possible so your victims may check this interview and determine its soundness by their own experiences with you. That is one of my little tricks. Do you approve of my method? You couldn't be setting a trap for me for the purpose of doing some more boasting, could you? Question. I'm asking the questions and you are doing the answering. Go ahead now and confess why you are powerless to stop me from forcing this confession from you i want your confession for aid and comfort to victims of yours whom i intend to release from your control the moment they read your confession answer i am powerless to influence or control you because you have found the secret approach to my kingdom you know that i exist only in the minds of people who have fears you know that i control only the drifters who neglect to use their own minds you know that my hell is here on earth and not in the world that comes after death And you know also that drifters supply all the fire I use in my hell. You know that I am a principle or form of energy which expresses the negative side of matter and energy and that I am not a person with a forked tongue and a spiked tail. You have become my master because you have mastered all your fears. Lastly, you know that you can release all of my earthbound victims whom you contact and this definite knowledge is the blow with which you will deal me the greatest damage. I cannot control you because you have discovered your own mind and you have taken charge of it there now mr earthbound that confession should feed your vanity to the bursting point question that last dart was unnecessary knowledge of the sort i have used to master you does not contaminate itself with vulgar indulgence in vanity truth is the one and only thing in the world that can withstand ridicule now let us continue with your confession What is wrong with the principle of flattery? You use it, do you not? Do I use it? Man alive! Flattery is one of my most useful weapons. With this deadly instrument, I slay the big ones and the little ones. Your admission interests me. Go ahead now and tell me how you make use of flattery. I make use of it in so many ways, it is difficult to know where to begin. I warn you before i answer in detail that publishing my answers will bring down an avalanche of ridicule on your head for bringing up the question i will take the responsibility proceed well i may as well here admit that you have stumbled onto the major secret of how i convert people to the habit of drifting that is a startling admission go ahead with your confession and stick strictly to the subject of flattery no more side remarks and no more facetiousness for the present tell me all about your use of flattery in gaining control over people answer flattery is a bait of incomparable value to all who wish to gain control over others it has powerful pulling qualities because it operates through two of the most common human weaknesses vanity and egotism there is a certain amount of vanity and egotism in everyone In some people, these qualities are so pronounced, they literally serve as a rope by which one may be bound. The best of all ropes is flattery. Flattery is the chief bait through which men seduce women. Sometimes, in fact frequently, women use the same bait to gain control of men, especially men who cannot be mastered through sex appeal. I teach its use to both men and women. Flattery is the chief bait with which my agents weave their way into the confidence of people from whom they procure information needed to carry on warfare. Wherever anyone stops to feed his vanity on flattery, I move in and begin to build another drifter. Non-drifters are not easily flattered. I inspire people to use flattery in every human relationship where its use is possible because those who are influenced by it become easy victims of the drifting habit. Question. Can you control anyone who is amenable to flattery? Very easily. As I've already told you, flattery is of major importance in alluring people into the habit of drifting. At what age are people most susceptible to flattery? Age has nothing to do with one's susceptibility to flattery. People respond to it, in one way or another, from the time they've become conscious of their own existence until they die. Question through what motive can women be most easily flattered answer their vanity tell a woman she is pretty or that she wears clothes well question what motive is most effective in harpooning men answer egotism with a capital e tell a man he has a strong herculean body or that he is a great business tycoon and he will purr like a cat and smile like an opossum after that you know what happens are all men like that oh no two out of every hundred have their egotism so thoroughly under control that even an expert flatterer couldn't get under their skins with a double-edged butcher knife question how does a cunning woman apply her art of flattery in attracting men great heavens man do I have to draw a picture of her method for you have you no imagination oh yes I have imagination enough your majesty But i'm thinking of the poor dupes of the world who need to understand the exact technique with which they may be flattered into the habit of drifting go on and tell us how a woman can harpoon rich and presumably smart men this is a devilish trick to play on women but since you demand the information i am helpless to withhold it women influence men through a technique consisting first of ability to inject soft cooing baby tones into their voices and second by closing their eyes into a half closed position which registers hypnotism in connection with the flattery of men is that all there is to the business of flattery no that is only the technique then comes the motive a woman uses as a lure the type of woman you perhaps have in mind never sells a man herself for anything she can give him instead she sells him his own egotism Is that all that women use when they wish to flatter men that is the most effective thing they use it works when sex appeal fails so I am to believe that big strong smart men can be wound up and manipulated through flattery just as if they were so much putty is that possible is it possible it is happening every minute of the day moreover unless they are non drifters The bigger they come, the harder they fall when the expert flatterer moves in on them. Tell me some of your other tricks with which you cause people to drift in life. One of my most effective devices is failure. The majority of men begin to drift as soon as they meet with opposition, and not one out of 10,000 will keep on trying after failing two or three times. So, it is your business to induce people to fail whenever you can, is that correct? You have it right. Failure breaks down one's morale, destroys self-confidence, subdues enthusiasm, dulls imagination, and drives away definiteness of purpose. Without these qualities, no one can permanently succeed in any undertaking. The world has produced thousands of inventors with abilities superior to that of the late Thomas Edison, but these men have never been heard of. While the name of Edison will go marching on, because Edison converted failure into a stepping stone to achievement, while the others used it as an alibi for not producing results. Question. Is the capacity to surmount failure without being discouraged one of Henry Ford's chief assets? Yes, in this same quality is the chief asset of every man who attains outstanding success in any calling. Question. That statement covers lots of territory, Your Majesty. Do you not wish to modify it or tone it down a bit for the sake of accuracy? No modification is necessary because the claim is none too broad. Search accurately into the lives of men and women who achieve enduring success and you'll find without exception that their success has been in exact proportion to the extent that they surmounted failure. The life of every successful person loudly acclaims that which every true philosopher knows. Every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success but the seed will not germinate and grow under the influence of a drifter it springs to life only when it's in the hands of one who recognizes that most failures are only temporary defeat and who never under any circumstances accept defeat as an excuse for drifting question if I understand you correctly you claim there is virtue in failure that does not seem reasonable Why do you try to induce people to fail if there is virtue in failure? There is no inconsistency in my claims. The appearance of inconsistency is due to your lack of understanding. Failure is a virtue only when it does not lead one to quit trying and begin drifting. I induce as many people as I can to fail as often as possible for the reason that not one out of ten thousand will keep on trying after failing two or three times. I am not concerned about the few who convert failures into stepping stones because they belong to my opposition anyway. They are the non-drifters and therefore they are beyond my reach. Question Your explanation clears up the matter. Now go ahead and tell me some of your other tricks with which you allure people into drifting. One of my most effective tricks is known to you as propaganda. This is the instrument of greatest value to me in setting people to murdering one another under the guise of war. The cleverness of this trick consists mainly of the subtlety with which I use it. I mix propaganda with the news of the world. I have taught it in public and private schools. I see that it finds its way into the pulpit. I color moving pictures with it. I see that it enters every home where there is a radio. I inject it into billboard newspaper and radio advertising. I spread it in every place of business where people work. I use it to fill the divorce courts, and I make it serve to destroy business and industry. It is my chief instrument for starting runs on banks. My propagandists cover the world so thoroughly that I can start epidemics of disease, turn loose the dogs of war, or throw business into a panic at will. Question. If you can do all that you claim with propaganda, it is little wonder that we have wars and business depressions. Give me a simple description of what you mean by the term propaganda. Just what is it and how does it work? I wish to know particularly how you cause people to drift through the use of this devilish device. Answer. Propaganda is any device, plan, or method by which people can be influenced without knowing that they are being influenced or the source of the influence. Propaganda is used in business for the purpose of discouraging competition. Employers use it to gain advantage over their employees. The employees retaliate by using it to gain advantage over their employers. In fact, it is used so universally and through such a smooth and beautiful streamlined technique that it looks harmless even when it's detected. Question. I suppose some of your boys are now engaged in preparing the minds of the American people to drift into some form of dictatorship. Tell me how they work. Answer. Yes. Millions of my boys are preparing Americans to become Hitlerized. My best boys are working through politics and labor organizations. We intend to take over the country with ballots instead of bullets. Americans are so sensitive they would never stand the shock of seeing their form of government changed with the aid of machine guns and tank cars. So our propaganda boys are serving them a diet they will swallow by stirring up strife between employers and employees and turning the government against business and industry. When propaganda has done its work thoroughly one of my boys will move in as dictator and the nine old men on your supreme court with their silly notions of the constitution will move out everyone will be given a job or fed from the government treasury when men's bellies are filled they drift freely with one who does the filling hungry men get out from under control question i have often wondered who invented the clever trick which you call propaganda From what you tell me of its source and nature, I understand why it's so deadly. Only one as clever as your majesty could have invented such a device with which to dull the reason, dethrone the will, and lure men into drifting. Why do you not use your powerful propaganda to gain control of your victims, instead of subduing them through fear and annihilating them through warfare? Answer. What is fear of the devil, except propaganda? You have not observed my technique very carefully or you would have seen that I am the world's greatest propagandist. I never attain an end by direct open means, which I can achieve through subterfuge and subtlety. What do you suppose I'm using when I plant negative ideas in the minds of men and gain control of them through what they believe to be their own ideas? What would you call that except the cleverest of all forms of propaganda? Question. Surely you're not going to tell me that you destroy people through their own help without their realizing what you're doing. That is exactly what I wish you to understand. Moreover, I will show you exactly how the trick is performed. Question: Now we're getting somewhere. Exactly how do you convert human beings into propagandists and lure them into self-imprisonment? Give me the story with all its lurid details. This is the most important part of your confession and I'm consumed with eagerness to gain control of your secret. I can hardly blame you for stalling about answering my question because you know so well that your answer will snatch millions of innocent victims from your control. You also know that your answer will protect other countless millions of yet unborn people from being victimized by you. It is little wonder you're hedging about answering. Your deductions are correct. This part of my confession will do me more damage than all the remainder of it. Question. Stating your headache in a better way, this part of your confession will save more millions of people from your control than all the remainder of it. Answer. All I can say is that you have me in a hell of a situation. Question. Question. Now you shall know how the millions of your victims feel. So let's have it. I make my first entry into the individual's mind by bribing him. What do you use as a bribe? Answer: I use many things, all of them pleasant things the individual covets. I use the same sort of bribes that individuals use when they bribe one another. That is, I use for bribes the things people most want. My best bribes are these. 1. Love. 2. The thirst for sex expression. 3. Covetousness for money. Four, the obsessive desire to gain something for nothing, or gambling. Five, vanity in women, egotism in men. Six, desire to be the master of others. Seven, desire for intoxicants and narcotics. Eight, desire for self-expression through words and deeds. Nine, desire to imitate others. Ten, desire for perpetuation of life after death. Eleven, desire to be a hero or heroine. Twelve, desire for physical food question that is an imposing list of bribes your majesty do you use others yes plenty of them but these are my favorites through some combination of them i can enter the mind of any human being at will at any age from birth until death you mean that these bribes are the keys with which you can silently unlock the door to any mind you choose that is exactly what i mean and i can do it too What happens when you enter the mind of a person who is not yet in the habit of drifting, but belongs in the 98% class as a potential drifter? Answer. I go to work immediately to occupy as much of that person's mind as I can master. If the individual's greatest weakness is the desire for money, I begin to dangle coins before him, figuratively speaking. I intensify his desire and induce him to go after money. Then when he gets near it, I snatch it away from him. This is an old trick of mine. After the trick has been repeated a few times, the poor fellow gives in and quits. Then I take over a little more space in his mind and fill it with the fear of poverty. That is one of my best mind fillers. Question. Yes, I admit your method is very clever, but what happens if the victim fools you and gets his hands on a lot of money? You don't fill his mind with fear of poverty then, do you? No, I don't. I take over the space by filling it with something which serves my purpose just as well. If my victim converts his desire for money into large sums, I start overfeeding him with the things he can buy with it. For example, I cause him to stuff himself with rich foods. This slows down his thinking capacity, endangers his heart, and starts him on the road to drifting. Then I pester him with intestinal poisoning through the surplus food he eats. That also slows down his thinking and gives him a nasty disposition. Question: What if the victim is not a glutton? What other follies can you induce him to pick up that lead to drifting? If the victim is a male, I can usually snare him through his sex appetite. Overindulgence in sex starts more men to drifting toward failure than all other causes combined. Question. So food and sex are two of your surefire baits. Is that correct? Yes. With these two lures, I can take over a majority of my victims. And then there's the desire for money. Question. I'm beginning to think that wealth is more dangerous than poverty, if your story is to be believed. That altogether depends upon who has the wealth and how it was acquired. What has the manner in which money is acquired to do with its being a blessing or a curse? Everything. If you don't believe me, take a look at those who acquire a large amount of money quickly without time to get wisdom along with it and observe how they use it why do you suppose rich men's sons seldom equal the achievements of their fathers i'll tell you why it's because they've been deprived of the self-discipline which comes from being forced to work look into the records of moving picture stars or athletes who suddenly find themselves in possession of big money and hero worship and praise from the public observe how quickly i move in and take them over in many cases mainly through sex gambling food and liquor With these, I catch and control the biggest and the best of people as soon as they get their hands on big money. Question. What about those who acquire money slowly by rendering some form of useful service? Are they easily snared too? Oh, I get them all right, but I generally have to change my bait. Some of them want one thing and others want something else. Where my purpose is best served, I see to it that they get what they want most, but I manage to wrap in the package something they don't want. The thing I give them is the definite thing that makes them drifters. Do you see how I work? And very clever work it is. You lure people on through their natural desires, but you slip your deadly poison into the object of those desires whenever you can. Now you're catching on. You see, I play both ends against the middle, so to speak. Question. From all you say, I infer that you cannot induce a non-drifter to help you gain control of his mind by baiting him with your bribes. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. I can and I do interest non-drifters in my bribes because I use for the purpose of bribery the things all people naturally desire. But the non-drifter resembles a fish that steals the bait from your hook but refuses to take the hook. The non-drifter takes from life whatever he wants, But he takes it on his own terms the drifter takes whatever he can get but he takes what he gets on my terms stating the matter in another way the non-drifter borrows money from a legitimate banker if he wants it and pays a legitimate rate of interest the drifter goes to the pawn shop hawks his watch and pays a suicidal rate of interest for his loan question so I draw from your claims the conclusion that your hand is mixed up somehow in all of people's troubles and miseries even though your presence may not be visible answer my unwilling workers are often my best workers you see my unwilling workers are those whom I cannot control with some combination of bribes people whom I have to master by fear or through some form of misfortune they do not wish to serve me but they cannot avoid it because they are eternally bound to me by the habit of drifting Question, now I'm beginning to better understand your technique. You bribe your victims through their natural desires and lead them astray while you induce them to become drifters if they respond to your lure. If they refuse to respond, you plant the seed of fear in their minds or trap them through some form of misfortune and hogtie them while they're down. Is that your method? That is exactly the way I work. Clever, don't you think? Question, which do you prefer to serve as your propagandists? The young or the old answer the young of course they can be influenced by most bribes more easily than people of mature judgment moreover they have longer to remain in my service question your majesty has given me a clear description of drifting tell me what must be done to ensure against the habit of drifting i want a complete formula that anyone can use answer protection against drifting lies within easy reach of every human being who has a normal body and a sound mind the self-defense can be applied through these simple methods one do your own thinking on all occasions the fact that human beings are given complete control over nothing save the power to think their own thoughts is laden with significance two decide definitely what you want from life then create a plan for attaining it and be willing to sacrifice everything else if necessary rather than accept permanent defeat three analyze temporary defeat no matter of what nature or cause and extract from it the seed of an equivalent advantage four be willing to render useful service equivalent to the value of all material things you demand of life and render the service first five Recognize that your brain is a receiving set that can be attuned to receive communications from the universal storehouse of infinite intelligence to help you transmute your desires into their physical equivalent. 6. Recognize that your greatest asset is time, the only thing except the power of thought which you own outright, and the one thing which can be shaped into whatever material things you want. Budget your time so none of it is wasted. Seven. Recognize the truth that fear generally is a filler with which the devil occupies the unused portion of your mind It is only a state of mind which you can control by filling the space it occupies with faith in your ability to make life provide you with Whatever you demand of it Eight when you pray do not beg demand what you want and insist upon getting exactly that with no substitutes nine Recognize that life is a cruel taskmaster and that either you master it or it masters you There is no halfway or compromising point Never accept from life anything you do not want if that which you do not want is temporarily forced upon you You can refuse in your own mind to accept it and it will make way for the thing you do want 10 lastly Remember that your dominating thoughts attract, through a definite law of nature, by the shortest and most convenient route, their physical counterpart. Be careful what your thoughts dwell upon. Question. That list looks imposing. Give me a simple formula, combining all the ten points. If you had to combine all ten in one, what would it be? Answer. Be definite in everything you do, and never leave unfinished thoughts in the mind. Form the habit of reaching definite decisions on all subjects. Question. Can the habit of drifting be broken or does it become permanent once it has been formed? Answer. The habit can be broken if the victim has enough willpower, providing it is done in time. There is a point beyond which the habit can never be broken. Beyond that point, the victim is mine. He resembles a fly that has been caught in a spider's web. He may struggle, but he cannot get out. Each move he makes entangles him more securely. The web in which I entangle my victims permanently is a law of nature not yet isolated by or understood by men of science.